0: Hey, welcome to another episode of the Gonzo Chronicles. This is your host Cyrus Alderwood, and today is June uh, June. Hell, I'm a month behind, July eighth, two thousand twenty-one. And uh, today, you know what? I'm excited about this show. been looking forward for this for a few days. I want to tell you, folks, you wanted the best, you got the best. <laughs> Tonight, we're going to be talking all things Kiss. And you know, those who know me you know I'm total fanboy over this band. Um, I have been for years. And uh, we are talking tonight with Ken Dodge. Now, Ken is uh, an actor, a musician, a Gene Simmons impersonator, and I'll be damned if I didn't find out this guy was on the road with Kiss for quite a while in the 90s. So we are going to talk all things with a Kiss expert tonight, and, uh, and hopefully we're going to have some fun. After the show, if anybody has any questions about like anything Ken experienced on the road with, with Kiss, shoot me an email. Follow up with me, and if we have to come back and talk about KISS again, then by God, we'll do it. You know, right? Because, Ken, everybody wants the best. They're going to get the best, right? Yes, sir. Hey, I appreciate you I appreciate you coming on. Hey, let's yes, jump fine, in real quick. I think the first thing I wanted to ask you about is um, you certainly got the build, but what got you so interested in KISS that you actually became a Gene Simmons impersonator?
1: Okay, well, Now, this this starts way back in 74 or 75. Everybody in the world knew who Kiss was, and my parents knew who Kiss was, and all the church members knew Kings and Satan service, or Knights and Satan service. But us kids, we all knew the difference. We knew that they were just a great rock band that put on the kabuki makeup, and of course, by then, we hadn't seen the shows yet. We We just heard the music. And then... We start seeing these pictures of these guys like holy crap and all of a sudden they start putting out these live albums and live shows. My first kids show was at the age of 13 years old and I was hooked from there. I thought that was the greatest show in in the world and it really is the greatest show on earth uh, uh, when it comes to music. They are not... They are not any band to be compared to. They are the epitome of rock and roll as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but they, the fact that they took rock and roll a step further, I mean, you had you had your Beatles, you had your Rolling Stones, and you had uh, your big bands back then. But Kiss, like I said, took it a step further. And I had every book. I had the dolls. I had the Kiss makeup dressed up my Halloween and everything. <laughs> But how I ended up becoming uh, a Kiss impersonator was kind of by default uh, a very dear friend of mine, Brian. I'm not going to mention his last name because there's four different Bryans that I've worked with. But this guy here, he's, he's, he's an amazing Paul Stanley impersonator. He called me four years ago and said, Ken, I know you've done a whole lot of movies. And I know you know a, a, whole, a whole lot of musicians because you've been a musician for your whole life. I need a Gene Simmons impersonator. I said, okay. He said, he doesn't even have to play bass. I just need somebody to fit the suit and they can sing like him. I said, okay, well, tell me what you need. He said, I need somebody six foot two. I need somebody that knows the songs. And I need somebody that can fit in the suit and can move around like him. I went, okay. Um, What about me? And he lost it. He said, no, sir, I could not. There's no way I could afford to have you. You've done so many movies. You're a a movie star. I can't. I can't ask you to do that. And I said, well, that's the only person I know. And he literally broke down in tears going, I can't believe that you would consider doing this with me. I said, well, Brian, I mean, you're like my brother. I mean, I love you to death. You're a musician and we do this for each other. I don't do it for for the money anyway. I do it for the people that come to the show want the best you give them the best you give those people everything you've got and that's that's how that came to be
0: that's that's pretty impressive now you said your first kiss show was when you were 13 where, where did you see them at
1: Orlando, Sportatorium. orlando florida
0: all right so is that where you're originally from orlando
1: i am from Cocoa beach florida yes okay. I, I grew up in the city coco which is the mainland of, of florida I was there until I was twenty-two years old. Then um, I signed a music contract with Boxfire Records here in Nashville, and I've been here since I was twenty-four and uh, don't intend on going back. I mean, I don't think Florida's there anymore, is it? I think it, it, They took the flag out when the last person left, didn't
0: they? I think so. <laughs> it, f- it fell off in the ocean, maybe. <laughs>
1: yeah, no. I, I went back and visited. It was just not the same place. Uh, even ten years after I moved, it was just so different. Uh, I'll always call Florida my home, but uh, but I uh, yeah it's 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 where I'm from. It's not home anymore. Tennessee is my home now.
0: Well, Nashville's a good town. You're right outside of there, so uh, Nashville's a, a fun place. I've been there a couple couple three times. Um, yeah, I got
1: a, I got a wonderful opportunity while I was here in Nashville that uh, that kind of jump started my career as a kiss impersonator. Also, a Gene Simpson impersonator also. Uh, while, while KISS was coming through here, back in the 90s, uh, one of the, uh, I was working with these crew, crew people that helped set up the conference. Uh The company was called Crew Masters. They're no longer in, in uh, operation anymore, but uh, Crew Masters would take local people that were in the music business, that knew about the music business, and they would put them on these shows as uh, local crew members. And being a drummer and a guitar player and a sound man, Uh, They said, hey, Ken, would you like to work a few shows for us? We'll pay you X amount of dollars. I'm like, oh, really? Sure. That rocks. Okay, cool. And uh, Kiss came through town with Ted Nugent. And I love Terrible Ted and I love Kiss. I was like, this is going to be a great show. So as I'm working, laying out uh, uh, the uh, sound and audio uh, uh, system and the wiring, and the truss, and putting up the light and everything. One of the KISS management crew came to me and said, you've done this before. I said, yes, sir. I've been a musician since I was eight years old, basically. He said, well, Peter's drum tech is in jail. Would you like to come on a few tours with us, or or a few shows with us? Well, we get him back. I said, uh, I'd be honored, absolutely. So right then I got to sign a temporary contract with them, I got to be <laughs> Peter Chris's uh, drum tech when he came back on the reunion tour, and then when Peter Chris's tech came back, I was offered a job to be Ace Frehley's guitar tech uh, because Ace, you know, partied a lot. Uh, so did Peter, uh, but uh, we'll save that for, for later on conversation. But uh, I got to I got to go do uh, eleven shows. Uh, at the end of their farewell tour, reunion tour, excuse me, and it was it was one of the most amazing and spectacular you know, experiences I ever had. So it was really
0: really cool. That's that's awesome, yeah. Because I remember I've I've seen Kiss five times, total of five times, and on the reunion tour, I, it might have been their second or third show, but I drove all the way out to Memphis uh, to watch Ooh. there at the Pyramid. Now, funny yeah. story. Uh, a good friend of mine, who I know is going to be listening, because he's the biggest, one of the biggest Kiss fanatics I've ever met in my life, um, he got scored a couple of tickets for it, actually three tickets. And the girl I was sort of seeing at the time had a seizure and couldn't go, and I felt horrible about going. She's like, "Yeah, you guys love these guys, just go." So, so you know, kind of didn't have to feel so bad at that point. We drove literally from Wise County in Virginia all the way across the state to Memphis. Partied like a rock star that night. Drove back. I I remember we actually stopped and set our uh, like a, a stopwatch to go off, an alarm to go off, so we got like twenty minutes of sleep. Got back early the next morning because I had my capstone exam for my senior year, and I was not missing that show. <laughs> so so I walked in smelling like cigarettes and weed, which I don't smoke either. But being there at that concert, you know, I just walked in like you're right into my class. Like, hey, let's take our exam. You know, bloodshot eyes. I'm sure everyone thought the worst, but yeah, that was my my first experience with Kiss and the makeup. I wanted to ask you um, also. Um, you mentioned you're also an actor, and but I mean, I've seen you like photos of you impersonating Captain Jack Sparrow as well. But oh, you, oh,
1: I, I actually <laughs> that that was kind of a I fell into that too, because uh, one year for Halloween, I decided I wanted to do something different. And the first Cap, uh, first Pirates of the Caribbean uh, movie had just come out, and I thought I really like to try that. So I put together my own costume, and I did the whole the beard and the uh, the whole thing. I made the costume myself, and I ended up going and uh, I won the costume contest that night, and I. I had no intent of winning anything. I just wanted to make a really kick ass costume. And being an actor, you know, I, I go that step further. I got to make sure that it's exactly right, right down to the coin with the chains on it and the hair. And, you know, to the, to the, when the, when wit goes on, Captain Jack Sparrow is there. no longer can Dodge. So mm-hmm. uh, the, what, the mannerisms, the talk, the walk, everything, even out of, uh, a mug that's a Captain Jack Sparrow that I went down to Things Remembered in the mall, and every, every mall in the world got a call, uh, store called Things Remembered, and they, they put Captain Jack Sparrow on the side of this lead mug for me. So I'm walking around all my long, and lo and behold, someone from a movie theater uh, that managed the movie theater said to me, Would you be interested in coming for the opening of, uh, of the, uh, the Black Pearl? I said, absolutely we just want you to hang out in front and get pictures of me. well that went viral on the internet and somebody from disney world saw it they asked me to come down to disney world for an audition and i said well uh, okay so i took a weekend i went down there and they said oh you're six foot three you're you're too tall for the for the park but we, we have four different positions available well, you'd be perfect for the tutorial, because he's on the boat at that time, and he's talking to the audience, with a headset, and, and doing the sword fighting, and, and but you'd be perfect for that. And I said, well, how? How cool? So I auditioned for that, I got that part, they, they said, you know, move down here, we'll give you an apartment, we'll give you this much money, blah, 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 blah. And they they uh, moved me down there, and they broke their contract. So they, they, their contract was null and void. Well, fortunately for me, I had uh, an attorney who was an entertainment attorney and they thought that, you know, they were just getting some guy that really wasn't any big deal. But lo and behold, they got a professional SAG actor to do it. And and it was clear through SAG that I could do it. But when they broke the contract and said that I had to find my own apartment and this and that thing, they said the contract was, was basically a lie. So they had to fulfill uh, the monetary value of my contract, and I was able to move back to Tennessee and continue with my life. And I still did Captain Jack Sparrow here for every film that (laughs) that, uh, Disney (laughs) ever brought out at every theater. I even did it at Walmart when they were selling DVDs. (laughs) That's so So, cool. Yeah, it was great. I I really, really enjoyed being Captain Jack Sparrow.
0: When did you first start uh, getting into acting?
1: (laughs) Uh, uh, My first, believe it or not, Uh, I was in Florida, and I was with Universal Artists out of Orlando, and the first movie I actually worked on was called Arrive Alive. Uh, It starred Willem Dafoe, uh, John Cusack, and uh, several other cast. But the problem, uh, Billy Crystal was in as well. And in a second, you'll understand what I mean. Uh, the The movie was actually scrubbed because Willem Dafoe could not be funny. Uh, they scrubbed the, the movie as they got halfway through it and realized that, you know, that they had to recast the lead character. And they did. And when they started refilming it, they recast a lot of parts. And unfortunately, I wasn't in Florida anymore. But the movie came out, and it was called Analyze This.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, that was originally called uh, Arrive Alive. And the, it was filmed at a... Part of it was filmed in at the uh, sea aquarium in Miami, Florida. Huh. Well, I, I had no idea that's where it was filmed. Yeah,
1: but, that, uh, believe it or not, that happens a lot with, with the movie industry. Uh, movies start getting made, and then they'll realize that the casting was wrong. So they basically have to go back to the beginning and uh, basically eat all the money that they've already spent, and it could go up to the millions. But uh, that's what happened with uh, – it also happened with uh, – uh, Parenthood, I was I was uh, Jason Robart's stand-in and that was the first acting job I ever had in my life and it it wasn't really acting I was just a stand-in for Jason Robart in the movie uh, Parenthood with uh, See Keanu Reeves. That was his first movie that he ever did it Uh, Ron Howard, Rick Moranis, Mary Steenburgen, Steve Martin, uh hell of a cat. And again, like I said, Jason Robarts. Hell of an actor. Old school actor.
0: Steve Martin. See, that's somebody else I would just kind of giggle. Like, you know, once something you said to me once, never meet your heroes, right? Oh, yeah. But he would be one that I would kind of like after seeing that movie, The Jerk.
1: <laughs> would, oh my gosh. Loved it. Loved the jerk.
0: To this day that's one of the I one love of those my
1: dog, my I don't need my dog.
0: That that was one one of those classic hilarious movies um but I, I, I did you get an opportunity to meet him
1: i did get to meet steve martin yes i did I, uh, do you remember the scene in the movie where he's dressed up like a cowboy yeah entertaining the kids yeah well that scene was shot right before and after lunch uh and all those kids that were there were were just running all around all over the damn place and i just i love kids so i came out of the vip tent sat down on the ground and uh, was was talking to a few of these kids, and then they all came around. And I was just making up these stories, having a good time with them. And uh, Steve Martin came by, and and everybody looked up at him. And I said, and I stood up, shook his hand. He said, No, no, sit down, relax. And he sat right next to me. and We just had a ball with those kids.
0: So that would be somebody I would not be disappointed meeting. Probably a good no, guy. No,
1: okay. no, no, no,
0: no, no, Yeah, there, there's a handful I would like to kind of hang out with a little bit, get to know them, But then uh, you know, you never know you never know.
1: Everybody has bad days. You know
0: how that goes. Oh, ab- yeah, absolutely. Now, you actually, you talk a lot about uh, the acting business and, and the music business in general. Uh, you have another show, an online show you do with Elizabeth Cooper. Um, I do.
1: Elizabeth Cooper is an amazing actress who I've worked with several times. Uh, trem- and If you get a chance to watch uh, the Captain a. Cooper show or uh, uh, Ken and Liz, the biz with Ken and Liz, we talk a lot about what happens in the in the movie industry and in in, in the business itself, how, how uh, we talk about terminology, we talk about uh, how you act on set, uh, we talk about uh, what's, what's the difference between being a principal extra and an extra, it's just all about the, the entertainment business, be that movies, television or music business, and she's a, she's a tremendous talent and a, what a fantastic woman. Yeah, so going a lot right now too. But if you get a chance to watch Catherine Cooper show, absolutely it's a must see.
0: Yeah, and she puts these up on YouTube. And if you go to I think just look up Caffeinated Cooper show on Facebook, you'll find all that archive right there. And you and her do that show, I think what's about once a month or once every other week or
1: Yeah, we're gonna we, we have to <clears> because she's going through a little bit of uh, medical issues right now, we have to put that show on a hiatus. She made a big announcement about it, but uh but I'm keeping her in my thoughts, and we have got other shows slated that we're going to go through, and we got a lot to talk about when it comes to the biz. So yeah, she's, she she uh, keep her in your thoughts and your prayers. She's a good person, and uh, she's uh, she's tough. She's tough as a steak. <laughs> she'll come through.
0: Yeah, she she has been on the podcast here uh, two or three times. As a matter of fact, when she's been on, I get people that regularly listen like, hey, when's she coming back? You know, so I get that for people. Um, so but yeah, hopefully she'll she'll be on the men soon and. Uh, and be back, but um, yeah. So I I enjoy watching. That I've seen you uh talk about you know the biz, um, on uh, two or three episodes, and really you cover so much. You're not just like like a one type of thing like acting. I mean, you've you guys have covered music, um, the uh, not just the acting part of the business, but the the behind the scenes, and it's and it's incredibly detailed. So just listening to that, I mean, you know, anybody who's been in acting or worked in that business would probably find it incredibly fascinating, especially people that are thinking about getting into the business. Um, this is one of those kind of, you know, entertainment 101 you probably ought to listen to before you go jump in.
1: Yeah, and I think the reason behind the whole show is is uh, there's there's so much uh, starstruck and and, and 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 dreams that people have And they work so hard to get into it, and then once they get into it, it's not what they thought it was. So it's basically an informational, uh, we, we kind of pull back the curtain and show you, you know, the, you know, we show you what's going on behind the curtain that not a whole lot of people see or know about. We actually introduce you to, you know, the wizard. And once you, once you realize how things are done and everything, you know, I'm not here to deter anybody from trying to achieve their goals and achieve their dreams, but I want to, I want them to get a, a sense of reality of what what they can expect, what's going to happen, what they're going to see around them. That's not always like like we said before. It's you don't want to you know just be careful about meeting your heroes, and be careful about what you think about when you see uh, the Walking Dead or you see. Uh, Space Cowboys or something like that uh, A lot of the, a lot of the movies nowadays are going on CGI. It's very very hard to find a movie with, that isn't? Basically 70% CGI computer generated imaging uh, So it's, it's a lot harder for, for actors nowadays Because when you get to the set you're gonna put on this suit It's got all these little balls on it and stand in front of a green screen and you've got to have it in your head what this character is doing, where they're doing it, who they're fighting, what they're doing, where they're walking. It's a lot harder than it used to be. It's yeah. not like what you imagine.
0: It's not, you know, it, just as from a, a fan's perspective, you know, it, it's not that I'm saying that I couldn't act my way out of a paper bag if somebody paid me the money to do it. But, And I'm sure there's a lot of great actors out there, but no,
1: I don't everything. I think you'd be a very good actor simply because you're a people person. And the, the thing about acting is. When you act, you don't read lines. You, you read the you, you read the line, You read the script. You see what they're saying, but when you deliver them, you deliver them like you're having a conversation with somebody. You're not reading it. You're talking to the people, not at them. Yeah, it seems and like you have an amazing ability that when you talk to people, you talk to them and not at them. Well, so i, I pre- he's a great actor.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Um, you're it seems like you know everything is a superhero movie these days. And you know, like, I,
1: I remember when they didn't have any of them, and I was thinking, man, I wish they'd have a Batman movie. Man, I wish they'd have a uh, Superman
0: movie. There's this, See, I remember that. There's this uh, app I have on my TV at Pluto, which a lot of people probably have on their TV, and you can go through like all this, you know, series of movies, you know, different types of movies from different eras. And I find myself more and more, even though the, you know, I grew up in the 80s and early 90s, going back to the channel where the 70s movies are um and and I was watching and probably guilty pleasure lately invasion of the body snatchers with uh, uh, Sutherland in it Donald Sutherland Oh I love it and Donald you so know nice. even though that there were some special effects in those the acting in that era probably in my opinion I mean in in the 80s we had a lot of fun movies and explosions and that's when a lot of the big blockbuster stuff really started going on and it was well, in my lifetime but you know those uh, those movies in the 70s that was acting. That was it a was. lot of acting, and you're know, probably one of the greatest actors of our generation. Um, and I really have a hard time watching the guy because of his politics, because I, you know, he's very, very, he's he's hung out with like communist dictators. But Sean Penn. Sean Penn. Yep, I
1: knew you was going
0: to say that. One of the most amazing. I mean, he went a long way from Spicoli, right? No, absolutely. but no, I'm but that no, guy no. is probably Spicoli. Oh, totally. Yeah, but I lo- he
1: was also really good in Milk. Did yeah, milk?
0: yeah, yeah. There's, there's a, there's not a movie that he's been in that he hasn't done an amazing job and showed a crazy range that I would never have thought watching Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, with oh, the that, Stone.
1: After that, he did Caps. Yeah, which was uh, with with uh, uh, Cruise, Tom Cruise, and so on. Mm-hmm. I mean, he has, he is such a a, a versatile actor. He, he has such a wide range of, of characters that he can do. Whereas I'm, I'm basically typecast as the heel because of the size I am. But, but, uh, I think all the Penn brothers and I've worked with three of them. They're, they're all very excuse me. want two of them have passed away, but, uh, they were all very talented, but Sean oh, yeah. was, was the one that I think that opened the door for all of them. Yeah. But, uh, uh, He's he's such a versatile actor, and, and I think that he let his political views go a little far. Uh, but he wanted everybody to know that he was a human being, and that he had, you know, he stood for what he believed in. Uh, I can't condemn the man for that. Uh, I believe that actors are actors, and they need to stick with what they do and stay out of politics. That's my personal opinion.
0: Um, yeah, I know everybody has a right to their opinion and sharing their their views. And that's fine, but I, I don't – it seems like it's more today we're so divided, and that only serves to divide and conquer even more when, when celebrities, athletes come out with their political opinion. I, I, people should be built up and not tore down, and that's where we're at in the culture right now, and I think the pop culture yeah. is just piling on to it. Um, anyway, that's my, my two cents on that. But, but, yeah, as far as your acting um, – what was probably one of the most memorable times on set, and what what movie?
1: Uh, well, uh, I, ha- I, was, I, I got to play a part of, uh, he was just simply called the Chief, and was in a movie called The Secret Handshake with uh, Kevin, uh, Kevin Sorbo. You might remember him back from uh, Hercules yeah. back in the 80s, or uh, Andromeda uh, series that he was in. Uh, he was also in a movie called God's Not Dead.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say he does Christian film these days.
1: Yeah, he's a tremendous, amazing actor and such a, an intelligent man. Uh, I, I got to play the uh, it was, it was sort of a comedy part, a comedy bad guy. Uh, but while we were on break, uh, on a dinner break, we were sitting in the green room, and, and he came and sat down next to me. He said, "Hi, I'm Kevin." I said, "Yeah, I remember you from the re-through. I said, "I also remember you from Hercules." He said, so well, good to meet you. I said, I'm Ken Dodge. He said, yeah, you're doing a great job so far. I love your work. You know, or you, have you got anything else scheduled? And we just started talking. He says, oh, I want to show you this. And he opened up the, his laptop, and, he's, and he started showing me these dailies from the movie God's Not Dead. So apparently they were filming that at the same time we were filming Secret Handshake, which are both available on uh, on YouTube or on Netflix or something like that. You can go watch either one of those movies. They're great movies. Even if I wasn't in uh, secret Handshake, I would see that movie it's a great movie about how to how to uh, how to make a boy become a man but it's 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 tough uh, I, I'm not, not going to give it away but it's, it's an incredible well-written movie how he cloud her but uh, I sitting down and talking to him and, and seeing him and I kept seeing Hercules in my head but once I started talking to him I, I started seeing him as like a brother, actor, you know, as, as a friend, rather than this superstar. And he is one of the most amazing people, and I had one of the most amazing talks and, and, and down-to-earth-type conversations that I've ever had with any actor. And I've worked with Joe Pantliano, I mean, Moranis, uh, I told you, uh, uh, and Joe Pantliano, what was his name? Uh, Ray Liotta, another incredible actor, incredible actor, but I, I got to say that Kevin Sorbo was probably the most amazing conversation and and, and down to earth uh, enlightenment conversation I've ever had with a, with a superstar. And they're all people just like you and I are.
0: Yeah, that's that that's really cool because yeah, I've seen uh, I remember seeing him in Hercules and then uh, God's Not Dead. I remember my, my niece actually brought that DVD over and popped that in for me and we watched <laughs> that. And, um, really good stuff. Yeah he's a good actor. Um, and they did a part two, I think. To God's not dead, I think was he. Which he might have been a part of that.
1: He's not in that one.
0: Oh, he's not. Okay. Not. Hey, I want to jump back into music. Now you're also a musician. And I am
1: a musician. Yes, I'm. I'm sorry. I I get sidetracked, and I apologize for that, uh, uh, Cyrus. But uh, I'm, I'm I'm it's that it's that
0: entertainment side of me. Oh, these I are great it. stories. These are well,
1: great I stories. That. Uh, I, uh, I I had my own group for a while called Who's Your Daddy, and I had that long before the song ever came out. So just I want to put that out there. We were doing we were doing rock and roll top forty pop shows back then. Um, uh, and we uh, then uh, Toby came out with this song. We had to change the name of the band to Ken Dodge, uh, the Ken Dodge Show. So uh, and it was it was a little bit of a different show, more like a Vegas style show because I would change costumes. I would do the Blues Brothers. I would do uh, uh, Ray, uh, Ray Charles, uh, not Ray Charles, but uh, Ray Stevens. The string, they have the Arab things like that. Yeah. And then all through the night, I would do Elvis at some time in the night, and then do Prince. And, and through the whole night, we would start out with some really older songs uh, in the early part of the night to entertain the older crowd. And as the night got later, you know, the crowd would change, so our show would change, and we'd come up to. Doing the show of the songs of the '90s and the early 2000s, so at the end of the night, you th- you had a crowd there all night long, and they stayed. And being a front man, I was I was always out there to try to to try to entertain them in any way, shape, or form the whole time I was on stage. So that's why all the costumes came in. Uh, and yes, I had the costumes for the whole band too. I mean, we <laughs> we actually all dressed up as the Blues Brothers when we did our Blues Brothers set. We all dressed up in different characters. When we go to a recital uh, set. When I dressed up as Prince, it was a full garb, the wig, everything. Uh, I had the purple guitar, uh, and it was, it was like I said, it was a show, not just a band, because so few bands go out there and do a show. And I was inspired by Kiss because they do a show. So when I got the opportunity from my friend Brian to Portray Gene Simmons. I, you know, I snatched it up because I think he, he was doing more for me than I was doing for him, because it was something I always wanted. to do as a kid, so he kind of made my dream come true, and, and and it's it's I still do it to this day, and I still love doing it.
0: So I guess in a post COVID world, you guys are going to go back out and do some more entertaining.
1: Absolutely, I'll be working with uh, Kids Alive. Uh, which is out of Louisville, Kentucky. I work with Kiss Army out of Orlando, Florida. I have uh, You of the Best. And they're out of Ohio. And uh, there's another band out of uh, California, uh, uh, Strutter, And But, uh, you know, every band has got a gene, and sometimes the genes can't make it, and that's where I put myself. If they need a substitute, that's what I'm, I'm willing to do. Yeah. Um, That's what I do, and and you work a lot more like
0: that. I saw a a KISS impersonation band uh, probably in my early 20s. Um, Believe it or not, near my hometown, like this next little community over. And I I was just flabbergasted that somebody would actually come here. And I think the band's name was Cole Jen. But of all the uh, uh, impersonation bands you've seen...
1: Okay, let me stop you right there. Do you know that Tommy Thayer, the guitar player, right here on my shirt... That is with Kiss right now. Started out playing guitar for the band Cold Jet.
0: I might have seen this guy in about 1994 or 95.
1: No, he was no. He was actually with Kiss back then. Oh, okay. Road managers, but uh, one stage managers. But Tommy, back when he was in his 20s, uh, eight between 18 and 20, was a guitar player for the band Cold Jet.
0: Of all the impersonation bands that you've worked with or seen, who would you say is the best?
1: Oh, don't put me on the spot like that, Cyrus. Uh, <laughs> wow. Um,
0: I'm sure I, they I, all I, have to be good or, the, or they wouldn't I, be trying to impersonate I, KISS.
1: They have to be on a certain level <clears throat> to do KISS. I mean, because they're, they're a one-of-a-kind band. And you never show your weaknesses on stage. So every person that gets on that stage dressed up as one of those characters, the demon, the space man, the star child, or the cat, they they put 100% into it. I've seen some that were not so great, and I've seen some that were fantastic. Uh, It's not fair for me to say I think this band is the best because... um, I, I can't knock any of them because they're they're doing what they love to do. So uh, to say that I think this one is the best uh, is really not fair. I have my favorites I like to work with, uh, but I can't kind of keep those to myself too. I just I honestly believe that if you're out there and you're 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 in a tribute, meaning you're paying tribute to the band, but in, in force in in a better way to put it. The, us as the band are paying tribute to the band and get pay tribute to the audience. So we're doing it for the audience, not for ourselves. Yeah. And most tribute, most true tribute artists, that's the reason they do it.
0: With the uh, yeah, that was the only impersonation band I ever saw of Kiss, and not for nothing, they blew my socks off. They they were great. Um, I
1: I honestly think that if you're if you're serious enough to Put the money out that it costs. I I, I know we're not live uh, video wise, but I have a three thousand dollar suit right there that I'm showing uh, Cyrus is looking at right now. Yeah. On a mannequin in right here in my house, yeah, it's a three thousand dollar suit, Love Gun tour suit that I had made personally for me. Uh, and if you put that much money in, then I've got another. Uh, I've got an axe bass out hanging in my in my music room that is signed by Gene Simmons. I mean, you you don't go on stage as uh, as a guy dressed up as Gene Simmons. When you step on stage, you are Gene Simmons. You, uh, for all intents and purposes, you are Gene Simmons. You do the blood, you do the fire, you, do, you play the bass, you sing the songs, you walk around on stage, and even the Paul Stanley and the, the Ace Bradleys and the Peter Brusses, they give everything to their characters. So to say that uh, this tribute band is the best... They're, they're all, as far as I'm concerned, they're all
0: the best. Uh, well, you wanted the best. You got the best, right? Anytime you lace up his kiss, that's what you're giving people.
1: That's yeah. right. You're getting the best. Um, my, You know,
0: when I was uh, in the 90s, this was when grunge started to catch on. It, it took me a while to appreciate grunge, be, for, to be honest. I thought it was killing my favorite kind of music at the time. MTV <laughs> was getting away from music and getting political and and, and reality TV based, and, and it just you know chapped my ass, but you know, I remember going to this KISS show, and this was in uh, Bristol, Tennessee. And oh, um, Gene Simmons, or uh, Paul Stanley, was talking toward the end. It's like, you know, I hope everybody had a great time. This is before they come out and do their encores, you know. And, uh, he said, I hope everybody had a great time. He said, you know, for the, for the cost of your money, when you go to a show these days, and I know he was throwing off on all the live acts at the time, because they just stand there and strum their guitar and play their depressing sounding music which was uh, of the time that was kind of more popular being pushed he said but when you come to a kiss show if you don't leave knowing you you got your money's worth and and you you know you you walk out of that show with a smile on your face you should be doing that at every show you go to if those bands don't make you feel that way don't give them your money and i thought man that guy they just put on an amazing show and they you know, they they put their money where the mouth is. And I know you pay a little bit more for a ticket, but like you said, you, you don't go to a concert and their and their live sound is phenomenal. All right. They're just one of the best live sounding bands I've ever seen. And I've seen Van Halen, David Lee Roth, Aerosmith, I mean like some of the greats, Scorpions, all that from that era. And uh, that is one of the it's you walk away from that show, not just with great live music, but that show is an experience. Is what it is
1: couldn't say it, you could have, I could not have said it any better. It's just experience that there's a, there's a band that's coming out, and you're going to see them on TV, on, on, on your tribute uh, TV show, it's called, uh, and they, they deal with, with all tribute acts. And what they do is they, they're taking the best of all the tribute acts, such as Motley Crew, um, uh, Seven Bridges, which is a, a which is a uh, Eagles tribute band. Yeah, they keep all these tribute bands, and they they find out who the best tribute band of all time is. And the Kiss act that I believe has been chosen to be on that TV show is called the Kiss Experience. Yeah. And what I, what it is 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 one of the individuals, the star, uh, the guy that plays the Star Child. He went all across the country trying to find the best three other individuals or tribute artists and put them together, got them a place to rehearse in Ohio and in New York because that's where they're they're performing most. Both places there, and they've been uh, working on it even through the COVID. Uh, and I believe they have been selected to be on this tribute show. It's going to be coming out here, I believe, in the fall. Keep your eyes on television and, and listening with this tribute. Uh, It's something tribute. It's a TV show about tribute bands finding the greatest tribute band ever. Yeah. And this experience is one of those bands that will be on that show. And keep in mind, like I said, each one of these guys are from a different Kiss tribute band, so they're representing all of us.
0: All the Kiss Kiss Army. Yeah. This is that is cool because I remember when I went, I was I was so mesmerized, like because that was the first real show, rock show I've (laughs) seen because all the. Theatrics and everything, and and you know, it just kind of just popped in my head. It was like it was like going to a, a blockbuster film, a great concert, and the Fourth of July rolled into one.
1: Yeah, you and, know. and New Year's Eve all rolled into one too.
0: Yeah, yeah it's I did it. yeah. So um, so I wanted to ask you about the axe you got uh, that Gene Simmons gave you. When when did you get that? And he he signed it.
1: Yeah. Uh, this this is a really cool story. Uh, once I once I actually started being Gene Simmons and doing uh, personal appearances and, and uh, a few shows here and there uh, Word got out and, and one day I I Got a knock on the door and I go open the door and there's a UPS guy There was a, with a clipboard he's signed here signed here, and he hands me this great big styrofoam box I'm saying what is this? He says sir. I don't I just deliver them. So I brought it in the house I'm looking at the ladle, the lading, bill of lading, uh, and it just says gift. And uh, from uh, Detroit, Michigan, or wherever, or New York, wherever. I, I forget, I, did, I threw that away. I don't wish I hadn't, but I did. Because the box kind of busted up a little bit. So I cut it open, and lo and behold, in the damn box is this battle axe base signed by Gene Simmons, and I have no idea where it came from.
0: That is it amazing. Just
1: showed up at my door along with this shirt that actually has my name on it on the sleeve.
0: Oh, it does! And, wow. Okay.
1: And, and that's Kiss Harvey. Yeah.
0: There. Wow. That's cool.
1: And it also came with this lithograph right, right here, and like I said, it, it didn't come from any individual person. It just said gift, and I was I was flabbergasted because I had the Punisher base. That's that black base that jeans plays, it's got the white piping on it. Yeah. Everybody knows the the, the black uh, punisher base. But the battle axe, you know, that's, that's 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 the only person that plays a battle axe is Gene Simmons. And, and that's kind of a status thing. So when that thing come you know showed up at my house, I'm looking at my wife going, Did you buy this for me? She said, No. I, Honey, where am I gonna find that much money to get you that? I asked everybody and nobody could tell me. You know, Ken, I really, you know, they're all saying, Ken, I wish I could have, but no, no, it wasn't me. So it just showed up at my door, and I don't know to this day as who said it to me. It could have been him. It very well could have, because uh, when I worked with Kiss, uh, and uh, they're all four of our incredible individuals in their own right, uh, Gene, one of, the, one of the smartest men, one of the biggest patriots you'll ever meet in your life, incredibly, incredibly intelligent man. But also very down-to-earth. Funny. He's, he's very funny. Loves his family. Loves, you know, he loves what he does. Uh, Paul, very much a family man. Very much family man. So uh, wound up with his wife and his kids. Very much loves his family. Loves painting. Very much into art. And into uh, Phantom of the Opera types of and live operas. He's, he's well-versed in many different talents. Ace really loves his drinking and his drugs. And that uh, I think everybody in the world knows that Peter. He was really big into drinking, but Peter was just plain mean when he got drunk. Uh, and I think everybody knows that. If you watch the TV special that was just on a couple of two, a couple of weeks ago, I think this. I'm not saying anything out of school, but uh, I, I believe that everybody has their bad days. But Peter had a whole lot of bad days, uh, and it, it cost him a lot. I mean, it, it, he'll still be a member of the family, but he—he uh, he, when he was on, he was on, but he was, when he was off, he was way off.
0: Can you tell us any kind of interesting stories from the road, from the time that you, you said you were, what, 11 shows with him?
1: Yes, sir, I did 11 shows with him. Uh, <laughs> well, uh, all I can say is, uh, damn, uh, <laughs> it was... Uh, Gene and Paul didn't 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 do a whole lot of meet and greets outside of the concerts. Uh, Ace and Peter loved to party, so when they were out, you know, you really didn't. know. Um, Ace and Peter both put their hair up in ponytails. And, uh, they had these goofy glasses they would wear, and, and they really you really wouldn't have known they were them if they went down to the bar. You know, you really didn't know them because they were in these nasty t-shirts and stuff like that. And they would just they were. They were party animals from the word go, and if Ace Brady tells you that he's been sober for 30 years, I can guarantee you that's not true, <laughs> because I've known him a long time. Uh, as far as I hope he's sober now, but there was a time when when it was always very interesting. I I I, I, I don't think it's fair to to tell any one story. All I can really say is that it was extremely. It was different every every night. Uh, I remember Peter uh, picking up a wine bottle and breaking it, putting it to Paul Stanley's throat uh, because Paul said he sabotaged the show, and that's what got him fired from the farewell tour.
0: So, now, did uh, as far as Ace is concerned, I, you know, one of the things with Ace all those years. I mean, when they got to the point where they all wanted to do their own solo albums, and I think Ace and Peter. Or spearheading that, according to that documentary.
1: Yeah, Ace, um, wanted to, Ace wanted to leave the band, and he wanted to go on a solo career. And Peter, or, or, no, and uh, Gene is the one that talked him out of leaving the band. He says, "Why don't we all just do a solo album?" And uh, but we'll keep the band together. And we'll take a break, and that's exactly what they did. Uh, and Ace's album is one that sold more than anybody else's. And That was an
0: incredible album, uh, Snowblind. Oh, to this day, snow blind and and uh, New York groove still, I mean, it was popping in yeah, my head wiped, all the time.
1: I wiped out, White out. Get get a whole lot of airplay, but I thought that was an incredible song on that album. Too. And uh, like, uh, of the four albums, uh, uh, Ace's—I mean, Ace—wrote a lot of songs for kids, a lot of them.
0: Didn't he? Uh, was uh, two thousand man is another one that pops up. And do you? Yeah. Always loved that song. Do you?
1: 2000 Man uh, was an incredible tune that he wrote that he kind of kept to himself. He almost didn't want to record it with, with the band. He wanted to keep it for himself for a, for a, uh, uh, a solo gig if that ever happened. But he held on to it for so many years, he just decided, I'll go ahead and, and release it. It was it, it was an incredible hit. The only number one hit, I don't know whether you know this or not, uh, and you can, you can uh, fact check me, The only number one hit that KISS ever had was Beth. Yeah. That was the only number one hit they ever had that started out being called Beth because he was writing for a girl named Becky. And it was nothing like what you hear on the radio. It was a slamming song. He was slamming this girl, Becky. Uh, Like, you're nagging me this and that, nag, 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 nag. And that's basically what the song was about. But Paul and Gene are the one. Uh, no, uh, Paul and Gene uh, submitted it to their manager, and their manager, as well as their uh, studio engineer and, and producer, helped rewrite the words and made it a ballad. And it became their only number one song.
0: Huh. Yeah, that, I mean they had so many rockers, but like very rare that they have. I guess a ballad till like the 80s came along and I guess you had everybody had a power ballad and forever came out. I was going to ask you about um uh with with the uh, Ace was uh, was his heavy drinking did it inhibit anything on stage?
1: Ace there was a time that Ace uh showed up so blind drunk that uh he, he didn't even know whether he was plugged in or not and there were times that they actually used a substitute guitar player for Ace and the, the man's name was Bobby Masano. You can actually pull him up on YouTube uh, and look him up. He actually played guitar for me a couple of times and this is how I heard the story. Bobby Masano was actually the guy, he's a short old chubby fellow, but he was the guy that was playing most of the live gigs at the end of the reunion at, uh, tour uh, because Ace was so blind, and he was so whacked out, and so he could didn't know whether he was here or there. Uh, his guitar wasn't even turned on. Uh, you, oh had a guy, you, you had uh, Bobby Massano back in the backstage playing all the licks. And Ace was just a guy out there in the suit. Yeah,
0: knowing, after watching that documentary, just knowing how much perfection that Gene and Paul want to put into these shows that had to be uh, ripping their heart out to, to have somebody that to them had to be probably the equivalent of lip syncing. Uh,
1: the thing is, I don't think Ace even knew it. Uh, I, I, I think he knows it now, but back then he, I guess he thought he was playing because like I said, he was so, he was so messed up, uh, that you, you, they thought more of the fans than, than they did of him because, those people paid a lot, like you said, a lot of money to come see that show. And one person in that group does not make, you know, the group is much bigger than any one person. That's why they had to, they had, the, the Bobby Masano was just one of the people that was on the road with them, helping them in rehearsals. And when... Ace was drinking so much and getting to the point to where he was not showing up the sound check and everything. That's when Bobby would step in so they could do the sound check. And where Ace would be up cold back in the dressing room and they couldn't wake him up. And you know, it, it, it or even when they were doing Kiss the Phantom. If you ever watch the movie Kiss the Phantom of the Park, a lot of those scenes, the guy that is playing Ace is a black guy. I mean it's, it's it was horrible. I mean Ace was, was he was a partier. I mean, and you know, every family has one. Every single family got one of those guys. And uh, uh, but uh, yeah, that was that was one of the most memorable things about where, where I tell you don't ever meet your heroes because sometimes you'll be you'll be uh, you'll be disappointed. That was one of mine. And Peter was also one of one of my huge disappointments. But I think Gene and Paul. Made up for that because I, I they more they explained it more like look everybody you, I know everybody's got that one cousin or that one brother that you know doesn't really click with the rest of us but you still love him because he's a family member and I, I think that kind of made, it, it, it 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 stuck with me going you love this guy enough to let him take you down but you love him even more to try to build him up and keep him around. Yeah. But sooner or later, you, you 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 get that last straw that breaks the camel's back, and you've got to do something.
0: And it seems like with those two, uh, Gene and Paul got to that straw and the cam breaking the camel's back two or three times.
1: Like, uh, you know. oh, oh, that's that's just what you, from what you saw on TV. Uh, from what I've been told, they 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 hit that numerous times. If you read, uh. if you read the movie, uh, read the book, Gene Simmons put "Unmasked Behind the Makeup." Uh, a lot of the stuff in there. It, it'll bring tears to your eyes of what you had to go through. Uh, uh, but you, you, you go out there. If you get a chance, I, I'll, I'll think of got it around here. I'll have to send it to you, Cyrus. It's called Behind the Makeup, Gene Simmons. It's, it's an incredible read. An incredible read. You find out everything about him personally and everything he went through for almost 30 years until he brought that book out. You're talking about 50, well, almost 50 years of of being in the bank, yeah. having and either Wicked lustre or Kiss, some version thereof. Uh, he, his whole life was nothing about was about nothing more than bringing joy to everyone else. But the roadblocks and the the the, the hell he had to go through—it's it's, you don't you didn't
0: see that on the show, and in the book you see it, a small glimpse of it. I'll have to I'll have to make sure I pick that book up because yeah I wanted to kind of w- switch to one more thing about Kiss sure. and um, this you know we're you know our our ages are a little bit different and like you know I grew up in the eighties and early nineties and you you got Kiss from the seventies and you know when you discover a band and like and then you go back and like you you might have heard a Rolling Stones song and then you go back and you realize all that early stuff all those gems back there or a kid growing up in the eighties and heard Rag Doll by Aerosmith. And then they go back and they start listening to done with mirrors and toys in the attic. And it's like, wow, you know, like all that stuff they missed, you know, because it's like night and day, you know, the same with kiss. Cause I was, my first real experience with kiss was watching MTV when my town finally got it, my cable system. And I saw uh, the video for, I love it loud and then tears are falling. And I thought, man, that is awesome. But to you, that's not really kiss. Now I went back obviously and I appreciate everything from the beginning and I love those makeup years because that's the to me that's the cream of the crop. But there's a division between what you call Kiss and what, eh, what really is not Kiss.
1: Let's right, jump that into really that. Uh, uh, Kiss to me in the early days, uh, the, the the original band Peter Jean uh, Paul Peter and Ace. That was they're the ones that put Kiss on the map. They're the ones that did rock and roll on that. They're the ones that did Strutter. They're the ones that did Firehouse. They're the ones that did Love Gun Tour, Kiss Alive 1, Kiss Alive 2. Um, uh, let's see, uh, Double Platinum, <laughs> uh, Hotter Than Hell. I mean, the, the, that's the early years, rock and roll over. I'm looking at uh, several of my older ones. I mean, the Kiss that I'm used to is a different Kiss than you. Now, I have Revenge, and I've listened to the, the Elders albums and the, you know, the Dynasty and... Uh, psycho that's Circus. More a that's more of a Psycho Circus. I, yeah, again, <laughs> that's the originals too, but that they went way out on a, on a limb. with these, They were trying different things. And, and I was like, what the hell's happened to Kiss? It was kind of like when they brought out the Double Platinum album. After that, KISS changed completely away from that uh, that live-type experience. Uh, uh, the KISS Symphony was kind of cool, where they had the whole orchestra with them. That was really, really cool, because that was the originals as well. But I think, once the band broke up, got rid of Ace and Peter, there was a definite change in the feel of the music, Eric Carr, I'm not taking anything away from him. One of the, he was ten times the drummer that Peter was. I absolutely loved Peter Carr. God rest his soul.
0: Yeah, you know Eric Carr was probably one of the most underrated drummers I think of all time. That that cat was amazing. I got to see yeah. him live too, and uh, that that was that was great.
1: The first gig he ever, first professional gig he ever had in his life was playing for kids. Uh, he had never really played a professional gig before that. He did school dances and stuff like that, you know, little talent shows here and there. But when he auditioned for Kiss and he got the job, um, wow. And he took – he was with Kiss longer than Peter Chris was. Yeah. A lot of people don't realize that.
0: <laughs> you know, for the first time um, ever last summer, the uh, the rock and roll preacher – uh, let me borrow the, uh, solo, uh, cassette or CD, uh, Eric did, And that was actually really good. I was surprised.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The, the man was absolutely a genius. Incredible. um uh, and, and uh, like you said, one of the most underrated drummers of our time. And he was gone way too soon too.
0: Yeah. With, with the divergence in the music, like at, at what point was it unmasked that Kiss sort of became not Kiss? Or was that that Kiss Co album that we all, I was made for loving you? Everybody knows that well, song. That
1: was, that was, I think that's where where it started for me. After that, when they took the makeup off, and the sound was different, and music took a turn. I mean, all, all music worldwide took a turn. I felt like, okay, it, it, it's it's they'll, maybe they'll come back to it later, and I kept hoping that they would, and they did eventually come back to it being the, the kiss that we all knew and grew up with, because if you've got a formula that works, why would you change it? But I understand that with with time comes change, but uh, everybody has to make their mistakes, and you learn from those mistakes, but... Uh, after the, the Kisco album, <laughs> yeah, I I think that's that's when it first started. I, I was never a fan of the, of Revenge. I was never a fan of the Elders. uh, it, it, uh I, 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 I I think that's it. I, yeah. I think that's what I would say right there when, when Dynasty came out. I yeah. Because
0: uh, you know what, I Hot in the Shade I think was the first tour I saw with Kiss that album. And they had that song "Rise" to it, and I think they had a ballad yeah. called "Forever," which is really good. Um, I
1: don't get it wrong. I love the yeah. songs, but they're so much different from what yeah. I was used to. Do you uh,
0: do you I'm think adamant. that uh, do you think that music, like every ten or twelve years, kind of has to cycle into something, morph into something new, just to keep fresh, whether we like it for that decade or not? Like rock and roll music in the past few years is just. Been really disappointing, except for some of the older bands that are still making music.
1: I, I okay. Now I want you to I want you to think about something. Uh, think about your grandmother and your grandfather. The music <laughs> they listened to. Uh, yeah. Guy Lombardo, uh, stuff like that. Uh, they had to change in music uh, whenever, say Elvis Presley came around. Oh, they hated Elvis. Everybody hated Elvis. They thought he was the devil. And he ended up being the biggest rock and roll god of all time. Then all of a sudden, everybody loved the Jacksons, and the Jacksons are on ABC, And then all of a sudden, Michael takes over, and you see the change in music in every 30 or 40 years. And I think that that's what music is: is an expression of oneself. And as long as people walk on this earth, and as long as people pick up a guitar, as long as people. Uh, pick up drumsticks. Music is going to change. Uh, people like uh, us will find that certain type of music and we'll love it, we'll, we'll hold it in our hearts, and we'll keep it alive. But just like anything, music has to change, just like the movie industry has to change. Wow. Uh, we're not all driving Model Ts now. We're driving almost, uh, people are driving electric cars now. See, yeah. everything changes just like.
0: And sometimes it's hard to change. And you know, when I think of yeah, just probably just a different generation, obviously, but yeah, you know, I mean what my niece and nephew would listen to, I I wouldn't really enjoy, even though I'll try to be open minded and give stuff a chance. But you know, you hear like over the last say fifteen years, you've heard like Justin Bieber, right? And and then like I'll gravitate to something like the White Buffalo or Uncle Lucius. Yeah, things that people normally haven't heard, or Lucero. I don't know if you've heard of them, but Bands are not as popular, but they're well known. You know, if you, if you follow that those circles, the Devil Makes Three. You know, that's another um, another one that's like Americana folk, and these folks are out of California. You know, so it's not like I'm getting like some Southern mix. But you know, music, it, it, you know, it is wide palette. And I could, I would, at some point, I would love to have you back on because I want to talk about the transformation of music over the years. Because I've I've heard you and Elizabeth Cooper talk about this. And certain bands. I'm I'm
1: gonna stick something in your ear real quick. Yeah. Do you remember the song One Ten Soldier?
0: Yeah, oh yeah, yeah.
1: The Billy Jackson? uh Uh-huh.
0: Because
1: the name of that band was Coven. And that was a number one song for that for that band. And it's a woman that was lead singer of it. But if you look up Coven today, they look like a Marilyn Manson type group.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: And the same group. Just a generation later, hmm. excuse me, a couple of generations later, the woman that sang that sang the song, one tin soldier, Billy Jack team, is still the singer for the band Covenant. But if you can see, we were talking about the change in music and how how music changes over the years, just like everything else does. That is that. That's why I brought this up because uh, that was one song that I loved so much as a child. That and. Uh, Seasons in the Sun by Terry Jackson.
0: That's a good song.
1: I have heard you he sing as well, <clears throat> but Coven, One Ten Soldier, uh, it was an amazing song, and then you all of a sudden you don't hear more of. Them. But they kept going, they kept performing, they kept putting out albums, they kept putting out music, but the radio wouldn't touch them because they thought they were different. They had, nothing was like One Ten Soldier anymore. So if you did this will probably blow your mind if you get a chance look up Coven uh, on YouTube here or you do a little research and you'll, you'll say wow yeah the about difference.
0: and I guess you know bands have to change and I, I don't I, mean, I know Kiss wanted to keep to that same that was their philosophy early on like if you heard a song you know it was Kiss you know and uh but when the '80s came along, I imagine for somebody who loved classic, what we call classic rock of the '70s, now when the '80s came along, you had all these hair bands and you know heavy metal and all that stuff. Then you had Metallica and Megadeth and you know all these bands like that. You felt like that came along and killed all that great rock and roll because that was what music industry was going to and radio was going to, just like grunge did it to you know my favorite hair bands of the '80s and killed those out and you know and all that. And then just like in the '90s when Music changed. I guess the everything went from like rock, rap to like even like a uh, Limp Bizkit or something like that. And that's why I said earlier it took it took me a long time to actually appreciate some grunge, uh, like all of it. I can't listen to all of it. There, there's some bands like your Sound Gardens Now I'll go back and appreciate it a little bit more. Uh, I always did kind of like Alice in Chains. That they, they they were they were they were a standout band. But everybody almost wanted to sound like Pearl Jam uh, or Nirvana and you know, at that point, yeah. that's when that movement died because everybody, everybody was singing their sad song. You know what I mean, and putting it to some hard rock, and everybody had the same sad damn story. And at that point, you know, it just gets old, just like <laughs> the eighties of the hair metal and going out and partying and get laid, booze it up. Those songs kind of got old. everybody had to have a, a ballad. You know, and the seventies was I
1: mean, twenty nine cents a gallon for gas anymore either. That's, that's true. Things um, uh, uh, but there. It's up to us, you know, us old guys, to, to, to keep that music alive. More music, music is going to come out. Our grandkids are going to say, hey, pop up, up, listen to this. And you're going to be like, oh my God, you know, is somebody, is somebody killing a pig with a chainsaw? No, it's another yeah. one hit on the radio, you know. Well, our grandparents felt like that, too. And their grandparents felt like that about their
0: music.
1: Yeah. You know, every Every so many years... It changes, but it's again, like I said, it's a self-expression. Yeah, and it's, it's like not. no like, longer the same as they used to be.
0: And it's not like there's not really good music being made right now. There's a lot of really oh, good of music out there. It just, it's just not filtering over to the radio. It's, it's kind of like that dirty underground of, yeah. I find more gems just getting lost on YouTube of bands oh, yeah. in the last five years than I will hear listening to the radio or watching whatever channel actually might show videos anymore. I don't even know if they do, but, um, it, you know, it's just, uh, there, but there's so much good music out there that just never really gets that, that focus or that, you know, that chance. And that's just, that's a damn shame. Um, cause I think, I think the industry has ruined the music, not the music has ruined the industry. Does that make sense? I,
1: I believe that. I believe that because it is a business yeah. and, and somewhere in that business is one person going, that's not going to work, because this works, and this doesn't, and the, uh, the, the, the computers are saying, this is what's selling, this type of music is what's selling, and one person is making that decision as to what goes into our skulls. Whereas, and, and that's that's what they call the bins. And unfortunately, it happened every single day. There, I'm in Nashville, Tennessee. I have walked Broadway. I've, I've listened to some of the bands in there. I've listened to some of the artists. And some of the artists are the most incredible singers I've ever heard or you'll never hear of in your life. So if you get a chance, I I would say this to all the listeners out there, please listen to me very carefully. Support your local bands. Support your local artists. Get out. Show them that you love them. Show them that you love music. Show them that you appreciate them. Get out. See them. Thank them. Enjoy them. That's what they're there for. That's what they've spent their lives doing trying to bring you joy and happiness on a stage.
0: Yeah, and it's can't be easy, you know. And I say that a lot with other shows because I've had writers on here that, are, that, that aren't, that are you know, obviously Stephen King and Dean Koontz and all those folks, they get those big contracts. The rest of us don't. The rest of most of us self-publish. So I've tried to, you know, support your local writers, not, not just every artist, your, your local painters. Uh, these people define who we are as a culture and a people from the grassroots on up, even if you never hear from them on the voice or America's got talent, you know? So, yeah, so that's a great message, Ken. Um, uh, I I don't know uh, a better thing to leave it on than that, but I would love to come back and talk some of the uh, cool stories and maybe like maybe some mysteries behind certain bands. Like you've always heard about like the Beatles. Is that really Paul? Or is Paul dead? You know. <laughs> so, um, uh, did uh, did Jimmy Page actually make a pact with the devil? That's you know, because he because he, he moved into Aleister Crowley's house. You know, he insist on buying Aleister Crowley's house. So, I mean, there's so many of these fun rock and roll mysteries out there that you can have so much fun with that are that are going to be legendary for years to come. I mean, long after we're gone, people will be talking about Jimmy Page and Led Zeppelin and the Beatles and the Doors and uh, Rolling Stones and you know all these all these great bands. They had Motley Crue and just all this stuff. So um, I'd love to have you back on and talking and, talking about music. And um, if anybody wants to catch up with any of these topics you've talked about, uh, make sure you go back and look up uh, Elizabeth Cooper and then on YouTube and Facebook and you'll find the biz uh, where you and she uh, man you have some marathon conversations on there about some of this stuff and it's fascinating.
1: Yeah. Ken
0: and Liz. <clears throat> so, hey Ken, thanks again for coming on doing this. I really love hearing these old Kiss stories. And uh, if you have, if you if you had to, you, you got you got a ten hour road trip, you can have like two Kiss albums. Which which ones do you take?
1: Kiss Live One, Kiss Live Two. I love the no question.
0: I like the way you're thinking, my man. <laughs> hey, thanks again. Hey Ken, where can uh, people follow you at on social media if they want to look you up and follow you?
1: They can find me on Facebook, Ken Dodge, or they can go to uh, 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 musiccitydemon.com. I've got some uh, a few uh, contact information on that that's being built right now. Uh, but uh, most of the time, if you want to leave me a message, Ken Dodge uh, at kendodge410 at gmail.com, or you can reach me on Facebook.
0: So they, they just reach out they want to book you for anything? or.
1: Absolutely. Oh, I'm, right. I'm, I'm a very reachable guy. I'm a very approachable guy. I have not let stardom take you know take hold of me. I'm just a normal guy, just like you and just like anybody else that's out there. I'm not going to be unreachable to people. I don't believe in that. Uh, if you're if you're interested, you want to talk to me, you can reach me at KenDodge410 uh, at gmail.com. I welcome all your emails and I will answer every single one of them if I can.
0: Well, Ken, these have been some crazy, crazy nights. So I appreciate. Yes, yes. <laughs> I had to, I had to throw that in there. I love it too. Knew, I knew that was coming. Crazy I knew nights, man. Anyway, we all have to have a reason to live, and for some of us, it's kiss.
1: Well, don't you, don't forget a rock and roll all night party every day.
0: <laughs> of course. All right, brother. Hey, thanks again. I certainly appreciate it, Ken.
1: You're welcome. Thank you very much, everybody.